This is Michael Barth, another George. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? Thanks for coming in. Everything all right? I just came from the podiatrist. Yeah, I got something wrong with my foot. I got a little gangrene. They're probably going to have to amputate. <laughs> Any questions? Uh, yeah, well, what are we looking at here? I mean, is this guy like a real loser? No, not a loser. Uh, let's start with the second scene. You have it there? Yeah. Okay. A man gave me a you know, massage. <laughs> so? Uh, well, he, uh, he had his hands, you know, and uh, he was... Uh, he was what? Well, he was, you know, he was touching and rubbing. Well, I don't want to be a secondary character. Hello there, and welcome to the first episode of our next 100 episodes. Uh, well, maybe a bit less now, because we're finished with, what, with What's the Deal episodes. Yeah, that's right. This is the palindrome number, episode 101. It's true, that's true. We celebrated our 100th last week, and uh, we're back to it, starting with 101. Yeah, it feels like a bit of a reset. Yeah. Uh, if you've been with us from the start, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to our uh, first 100 episodes. And uh, by the time you're listening to this, you and we will know the results of the Australian Podcast Awards. That's right. We are nominated for Best Fan Cast for the 2019 Australian Podcast Awards, and we happen to be nominated for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why, which yep. is great. There was only six, uh, <laughs> six yeah. applicants. We were there just to fill the numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah just to, you know, just just to just to make up the numbers. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. So by this stage, we should find out if we are the winners or not. If we are, that's fantastic, and we'll announce that for sure. If not, then uh, you know, maybe next year. Yeah, maybe next year. Yeah. Uh, this is, but I don't want to be a secondary character. We're a Seinfeld podcast, and we talk about the secondary characters of every Seinfeld episode. This week, we are doing. The season four ending, the double episode, the pilot. The pilot, yes, episodes twenty three and twenty four of season four, and uh, you're probably wondering, you guys might sound a bit different. Um, I've actually moved house, uh, so we've moved studios back into uh, our original digs. Yeah, original, the OG studio. That's right. And um, my second room, where we usually record, it's actually full of boxes and other stuff. You know, as you do when you move in. So we're actually recording in my dining room right now, and uh, you might hear because we're just um, near the balcony uh, near the living room you might hear some birds chirping in the background so don't worry i don't have a hundred of them uh you know caged up they're all wild birds so if you hear some chirping then uh, i do apologize i think it adds a nice atmosphere it does it should be be like a nature documentary yes relax as we talk about the secondary characters from seinfeld the african red swallow (laughs) goes with his flock the rare and elusive costanza bird (laughs) (laughs) yes if yes. you want to get in touch with us, you can email us, bidwabaskpodcast, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. You can say hello uh, and interact with us on there. You can also listen to this podcast and our previous 100 episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, and if you want to subscribe to us or review us or rate us, uh, five stars would be amazing. Uh, it really helps us out. It helps us out with our visibility. Yeah. Um, and it's just a nice thing to do. And we like to think that you're a nice person or yeah. nice people. Well, we hope so too. That's right. And if we hope the jerk store hasn't called for you. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> we hope you went to the jerk store and they refused to uh, to take you. They yes. were like, no, this, you're not part of our database. <laughs> You've obviously sent yourself to the wrong warehouse or to the wrong shop. Um, we're just not for you. No. That's what we like to think. Hopefully. And uh, finally, we are on Patreon. Uh, if you want to head to patreon.com forward slash B-I-D-W-B-A-C, you can check out all the tiers and what you get for uh, each respective tier. 
dollar whatever per month. That's right. And uh, so this week, uh, Stephen, for Seinfeldia, I don't know where the desktop calendar is. I think it's in one of the boxes somewhere. Look, I think uh, I'm happy to retire Seinfeldia. Oh, okay. You want to get rid of it? Yeah, I I feel like we did it for, you know, 50-odd episodes out of the first hundred. (laughs) It's time to put it, you know, know, it's made its uh, half century and, you know, you want to retire it. It had its time. And I feel like we were just stating facts that everyone kind of knows anyway. Fair enough. A lot of them were very interesting, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One section we won't be retiring, though. Every week we talk about our Seinfeldisms, which is any circumstance was a circumstance where our real life has crossed over with Seinfeld in any any sort of uh, conceivable way. And it's pretty much a daily occurrence as well. So, yeah. Stephen, what do you have this week? Uh, I have two. Uh-huh. Uh, and one of them is not myself, uh, but I'll take it on behalf of uh, my partner. Uh, she mentioned through the week, and I can't remember exactly what uh, story she, she was telling, but she was recounting a time when she was trying to convince herself of something that she didn't believe. She was, oh, I, you know, I, right. I, I can't even remember what she was talking about or how we even got onto the topic. So she was trying to get into politics. Was she? Or? Maybe. I'm not, too, I'm, I'm not too sure. I think she was sort of, it was a situation where you know something on a fundamental level isn't true, but you really want it to be and you're trying to somehow make yourself believe that it is. And it's not a lie if you believe it. That's exactly right. Nice. Yep. Nice. Uh, she didn't quite get to George level of denial <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, and lying. She's not a pathological liar. No, 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 no. She's too nice. <laughs> um, and the second one is I was shopping uh, with said partner and uh, I found a flower at Woolworths, uh, sorry, Coles, and it's brand is Sustanza, so S-O-S-T-A-N-Z-A. So, one letter off, Ooh. close enough though, but if you chop the bottom half of the S off, it yep. kind of looks like a small C, oh, that's there you like, go. you know, above the bottom, above the line of the other letters, so technically it does say Costanza, just with an extra little curly bit. What ingredient or what kind of product was it again? It was a type of flower. It was just a brand of flour. Oh, flour. Cool. Yeah, I think it was just normal kind of baker's flour or something. Not the most popular flour. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It was in the $1 bargain bin. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Do you have any Seinfeldisms? Uh, no, none for this week. Uh, just uh, I've been moving, so yep. yeah, pretty hectic. Nothing, unfortunately, no Seinfeldisms came from the move, oh, okay. which I was very annoyed about. You know what you should have done? You should have... Um, uh, employed someone that you really hate and acted like a jerk to help you move, and then abuse them, and then say, "I'm going down to the road to get some. I'm going down the road to get some coffee." Oh yeah, you know Kramer's mate. That's right. Who George says yes to help moving. Oh Keith Hernandez. Oh no, 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 no sorry, no, no. That, that's another episode. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he's like, yeah. and and George is like, you know, he's fucked up his back because he's carrying <laughs> that thing, and he's like, "Hey, don't scratch my cupboard. I'm going down to get some coffee." Oh, that's right. <laughs> you yes. should have done that. I should have done that. Well, I was hoping for some any soup Nazis or marine biologists or anyone picking their nose, but no, nothing came during the move. Pick so, your uh, nose right now. But do it on the outside. Uh, Just do it. All right. Yep. Seinfeldism done. Excellent done. <laughs> I'm usually pretty skint when it comes to Seinfeldisms. It's usually you that has all the exciting adventures these days. I think you just need to think a bit harder and, and try a bit more. And just, just I usually stretch it out to just really ridiculous Seinfeldisms that don't really count. But I ate a cherry, and cherry rhymes with cherry. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, there's um, uh, cherry Seinfeld, the new the uh, ice cream sandwich. The ice cream sandwich. Uh, told us about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, right. Another friend of mine had one, I think, yesterday or today, and she oh, posted yeah. about it on Instagram. So. I've got to find out what they're like. Yeah, for sure. Pretty good by the sounds of it. Yeah. Uh, why don't we do some Seinfeld news? Yeah. How many pieces do you have this week, my Just man? one. Just one. Okay. Yeah. Just one. It's been a bit quiet on the old Seinfeld front. Mm-hmm. What's uh, been happening? So, Harry Overly, he is the CEO of an American company called Sunmade. And uh, through the week, he invited Jerry Seinfeld to have a coffee and a sit on one of his tractors while he was in Fresno. So, oh. Jerry is on tour at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he'll be t- uh, playing a show in Fresno, I think, in the next week or two. Yeah. Uh, which is late May, early June for yeah. our listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this company, Sunmade, is quite a big company in uh, in Fresno. It sort of supports a lot of um, 
you know, local jobs and stuff like that. And uh, a video on their Twitter, the aforementioned Harry um, is talking to the camera and he's saying that he moved to Fresno to find out what the answer, uh, find out the answer to the question you keep asking, which is, what's the deal with all these raisins? <laughs> so it turns out that Sunmade is a raisin company. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so they kind of tried to tie in their, their um, you know, what they do. Uh, with with Seinfeld and Seinfeld was stirring, so it's a bit of a weird, obscure sort of thing. But he steal? Did he steal the box of raisins? No. So he's a, like a Tom Pepper. No, did in not in this episode. No, it's actually no. quite fitting, really. Oh, it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yes. it's actually yeah. But I, he clearly did steal the raisins. Yeah, oh, he did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm surprised it's such a mystery. That's my favorite bit in the in the in the um episode, like just the ongoing nature of their relationship and just mm. how like more and more. Uh, I guess sort of vitriolic it gets, but um, when when George is just like, you know, maybe one day, you know, if I get an office, if they if they give me an office, you <laughs> if know, they give you'll me come in, we'll talk about the raisins. Yeah, that's all right. He's just trying to indirectly suggest that you stole the raisins without actually saying exactly. It. And then oh, he just so hates good. him. Yeah. He just hates George. Cuts him down. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so I guess another bit of Seinfeld news uh, during the week or actually last weekend, oh, I uh, Julia, it. well, Veep uh, wrapped the season series finale aired. Oh, really? Yeah, I so Julia Louis-Dreyfus, uh, yeah, and the crew, and it's all over. Oh, okay. I think it came out last Sunday night in the US. All right, okay, mm, cool. Yeah. I, I need to watch the first season, yeah, let alone okay. the last season. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I did listen to some interviews uh, through the week on Fresh Air. It's like an NPR um, interview program. Mm. And uh, to celebrate the the ending of Veep, they actually interviewed, uh, they actually replayed some of their old interviews, and they, they had a chat, I think, to Julia, maybe it was in season three or yeah, four. Yeah, sure. Um, it was when she was still vice president in the show. Yeah. Um, so I think it was one of the early seasons. And yeah, she talked a lot about behind the scenes and, you know, sort of the thought that goes into the comedy and stuff. It was it was a really good little interview. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very and they, good. I think they talked to the casting director or maybe just the director and someone else as well. It was really good. Well, as we have mentioned before, um, she's kind of ruled out doing a season 10, but she hasn't heard this podcast yet. So no, maybe she has to listen to our episodes. JLD, if you're listening or if you know JLD. Let's just get her to listen to this. Listen yeah. to at least our season ten episodes. I feel like if you're awesome enough to awesome enough to know JLD, you're awesome enough to not listen to us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, let's have a quick break, Stephen. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about some secondary characters today. Uh, characters notes I have for today, Stephen: uh, Russell Dalrymple, uh, Rita Curson, the new NBC executive after Russell goes to Greenpeace. Um, the actors who play Kramer, Elaine, and George: uh, Tom Pepper, Sandy Robbins, and Michael Bath. Uh, who do you have notes on? As well? uh, I've got a couple of episodes on the cab driver. Um, Dana Foley, who we have covered in the past as uh-huh. well. Yeah. Uh, Fred, the uh, EEOC officer who Elaine comes to, uh, and Joe DeVola as well. Excellent. Let's have a quick break and uh, we'll talk about the pilot and its secondary characters. Are you looking for a brand new conversation podcast? Well, you found it. My name's Ivan Pugioni, and in my relaunched podcast in Melbourne last week, I speak to everyday people who do extraordinary things. When you go into the, the inner workings of the story, you know, when you get into the nuts and bolts of stuff, even if you're going to have a story about escapism, you want the reader to easily relate to things. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much wherever else you can get your podcasts. Hi, this is Zach. And Aaron from Seinfeld Law. And uh, you are listening to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. For episode 101, we are talking about the secondary characters from season four's finale, The Pilot. I think this is our third second, oh, our third two-parter, rather, Stephen, that we've yeah, done. Yeah, we've done yeah. the trip and the Cadillac. That's right, yes. So uh, I'll read the plot synopsis. I'll read part ones first. Um, so part one of The Pilot uh, first aired in the US. So actually, they did air together, parts one and two. It was yeah. a one-hour special. Yep. Uh, first aired in the US on May May 20th, 1993, directed 
directed by Tom Sharones, written by Larry David. Uh, Jerry and George get the green light to produce Jerry, the pilot for the series based on their nothing lives. Russell Dalrymple, played by Bob Balaban, uh, the president at NBC behind the pilot, is obsessed with Elaine. George is obsessed with a potentially cancerous white spot on his lip and a box of raisins taken by an actor playing Kramer, played by Larry Hankin. Uh, The real Kramer has intestinal problems, and on his way to find a bathroom, he gets delayed by being mugged and misses his chance to resolve the problem, (laughs) uh, resulting in constipation. Very relatable. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it just goes back in there and you have to wait for it to come back out. (laughs) It just goes, yeah. Yeah. It's like it pokes out and then it's like, nope. Yep. I'm retreating. It's like, uh, oh, what am I going to do with this free Saturday off? And then you poke your head out the door and it's too cold. And you're like, no, I'm just going to stay inside (laughs) and watch Netflix. Except your head is clean and not... Yeah, and you're not, crap. you're not a literal piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a person. Depending on who you are. Uh, Jerry has an audition with the new Elaine, played by Elena Wall, a method actress interested in being Elaine in every way. Sandy, come Elaine. Uh, she insists on being called Elaine, even going as far as dating Jerry and breaking up with him in part two. Jerry points out to the real Elaine that Monk's Cafe shop appears to be hiring only buxom waitresses, so Elaine tries to get hired. When the owner turns her down, she files a report with the Equal Employment Opportunity Office. I think we should call it the EEOC from now on. Sounds good. Bit of a mouthful. EOC. 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 Yep. Part two of the pilot. Um, So rehearsals for the pilot begin. Uh, NBC executive Russell Dalrymple's obsession with Elaine begins to affect his work. She tries to let him down easy by saying that she can't be in a relationship with a high-powered man, even though... She loves men you're in television. Power. You're part of the problem. Exactly. You're part of the problem. And we prefer, prefer rather to be with someone selfless, such as a member of Greenpeace, which is a bit of a, a turn for Elaine. Usually she's into high status, high money men. I think she's just, just sort of saying to him that she's just trying to find a reason not to date him. She's oh, true. Yeah, she's just lying to she's him. She's just trying to get out of the yeah. relationship. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think yeah. she's trying to say that- He's too needy. Yeah, unless you go join Greenpeace, which she thinks is not going to happen- She's not going to date him. That's right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, little does she know uh, how obsessed he is. Exactly. Uh, Kramer resolves his constipation by administering himself an enema. Uh, George mistakenly thinks that his white spot has been diagnosed as cancer. Uh, results are negative. Oh, my God. Oh, why? Why? <laughs> and he goes on a tirade only to discover that he misunderstood the diagnosis. Oh, negative is good. Um, at the taping of the pilot, Crazy Joe Davola, Peter Crombie, leaps out of the audience and onto the set while yelling six emperor tyrannus down with tyrants uh actually it means something else i got a bit of trivia about that oh really mm, yes oh. Uh, he's removed and the taping goes poorly with the director and actors getting increasingly annoyed by george's kibitzing and jerry coming to the discovery that he's not as good as acting as he is at stand-up and i love that too because there was a lot of criticism i'd imagine for jerry you know not being able to act uh, you know th- you know there's this thing that that seinfeld fans talk about where jerry couldn't act well you, you watch know. the first well, basically, Three, the first four season. seasons. Yeah. Oh, I reckon he, he improves dramatically in season two. Oh, okay. I mean, he does yeah. get better, he noticeably. Does. Yeah. But yeah. you can notice a huge jump between season one and two. One of my favorite parts of this episode is when they're recording the pilot, um, you, or, you know, when, when the pilot's recorded and they're watching it at the end. I love, you know, sometimes Jerry in, in the show, Jerry actually, like, sometimes he'll smirk or he'll, like, laugh a little bit when he says his line. It's kind of obvious, like, he just does it. 
You know, he says that line to the guy who plays George, and then he just smirks when he says the line. Yeah. I like how it's like a little nod to, like, yeah. you know, Jerry's antics on the yeah, set. Yeah, it's a nice little uh, self-awareness. Yeah. Um, in order to prove himself worthy of Elaine, Russell joins Greenpeace and is lost at sea during a botched assault on a whaling ship. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the cover for the Jerry pilot script floats away at sea, along with the former NBC president. Oh, he dies. As one of Russell's shipmates, played by Larry David, vows to find Elaine and tell her about Russell's actions in fighting the whalers. His replacement in NBC, Rita Curson, played by Anne Toomey, uh, dislikes the show and cancels it immediately. Gee, she's just she's pretty rough. As soon as it's finished airing, she's uh, on the phone. She's done. She doesn't want anything to do with it. Show's about nothing. Forget it. Yep. Jerry, George, Kramer, and Elaine convalescent monks, where Elaine spots the men from the EEOC York uh, office eating. She scolds the owner of the cafe for only hiring large-breasted women, and the owner explains that they're all his daughters. And I love it, Stephen, how when you watch the pilot, like the Jerry pilot, that is exactly what I think NBC would have styled the show as if Larry and Jerry weren't involved. Yep. It was just your typical late 80s, early 90s cliche, especially the opening bit where they're all sitting having a drink and it's like, you know, it cuts to each character and it has their credit and they're all laughing and having a good time. Yeah. I think that's how a network would have done it if Larry and David or Larry and uh, Jerry weren't involved. What do you yeah. think of that? Yeah, no, no. I think they would have. I think that's pretty on point. I think they would have styled it in in the same way that most late 80s, early 90s uh, sitcoms were. But the nothing part just comes from the fact that maybe the storylines were a bit more boring yeah you know less less relationshipy and more idiosyncratic yeah and especially with that butler as well yeah for sure <laughs> but still it would have been uh similar to you know full house and friends and yeah of course all of those sort of sitcoms and you know step by step and yeah all it of them. would have been a very forgetful show for sure yeah we wouldn't be here right now exactly we'd be doing frasier we'd be doing a, a full house podcast no no we wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> no you want to do a frasier one one day don't you i do other secondary characters include jeremy piven as michael bath the actor who plays george uh, marissa hargitay from law and order svu plays melissa who auditions for the role of elaine gina hecht as is back as dana foley uh, richard gant plays fred from EOC. Uh, Bruce Jarkow is George's doctor. Kevin Page is NBC executive Stu, who we've seen in a couple of episodes in season four. Tom Sharones makes a cameo as the director of the pilot. And Al Ruscio plays the monk's manager who hires all his daughters, who yep. happen to be big-breasted. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess uncredited characters at the end of the episode. This is uh, basically a smorgasbord of season four characters who we have spoken about, some of them. Um, so uncredited characters watching the pilot include Salman Rushdie, uh, Newman, Tia, Calvin Klein, Mel and Donald Sanger and Donald's mother. We never got the name of uh, of her. Uh, Sidra Holland, Sid Fields and the Senegalese maid, uh, Marla Penny, the Drake and the Drakeette, Morty and Helen Seinfeld, Susan, Cheryl and Ping, and Susan's girlfriend and George's ex, Allison. Who is your favourite out of all of those little scenes? Sid Fields. Yeah? Yeah. Yep. He's my boy. Yeah, those idiots who stole my records. <laughs> who stole my records. And then the single he's made is <laughs> he just laughing. starts laughing. Yeah. <laughs> those idiots stole my records. I love how Helen's like, how can anyone not like how him? How can anyone not like him? She just can't believe that no one likes Jerry. And I love how Ping's talking to his sister, Cheryl, and yeah. he goes, how, why did you go out with him? I thought he was dark. He had a dark attitude. And then he just goes real insightful, yeah. sarcastically. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, a bit of trivia about the episode. And uh, yeah, there's quite a, bit of, quite a few good ones that I found, Steve. Yeah, I mean, this episode is kind of ripe for trivia because it's you know a meta episode about Mm, the show that's right and so much of it mirrors what probably happened in real life or 
you know, a version of what happened in real life. So, mm. And yeah. speaking of that, um, so the conversation that you mentioned earlier when George goes up to uh, Larry Hankin, the guy playing Kramer, telling him to say his line's different, that happened uh, in real life between Larry and Michael Richards. Oh. Yes. I don't think Michael would have reacted so violently. No. Well, <laughs> Michael is uh, not a perfectionist actor, but he, uh, he wants to get it right. Yeah. So I could imagine there was probably a bit of hostility. Yeah, I'm sure. That, I'm sure no one really likes being told how to do their job. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you kind of have to take a bit of direction from one of the creators. They're technically your boss, mm-hmm. but you kind of want to be left alone as well. Yeah, true. Yep. True. Uh, Larry Hankin, the guy who auditioned for Kramer on Jerry on this episode. That's right. Yeah, who actually, I just mentioned. Yeah, he actually auditioned for the real Kramer, and he looks like a perfect Kramer oh, too. He's perfect. Tall, doofus, hipster. Yeah, yeah yep. it works. Hipster I reckon doofus. they when they were casting for the episode, they would have been like, "Oh, do you remember that guy who came in? You know, in 1989 yeah. for the real Kramer. I reckon they probably kept him on fire. Yeah. Yeah, that probably makes sense. And I love that montage of Kramer uh, auditions coming in and some of them are like there's that big fat guy and then yep. there's the skinny guy, short guy. I like they'll have like the doofus opens there. the door really like intentionally opens the door and he does a spin and closes yeah, it really like right. really politely and calmly it's like that's not what and i love how i love the part where kramer goes in pretending to be martin van nostren yeah to try and get the role and i love michael richard's acting is so good in this yeah he is acting obviously he's playing kramer but he's playing kramer who can't act and i think the fact that he's can't act it's that is incredible. He's like it's good acting. It's great acting. Figure Fantastic. that one out from Michael Richards. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, so the part of Melissa, uh, who we, I mentioned before, is played by Marissa Hargitay. Um, she's from Law and Order, SVU, and other shows. Uh, she herself, in fact, did audition for the role of Elaine as well back oh, in '89. Right. Yeah. There you go. Uh, now, according to the director and the set designer, this episode used about thirty odd sets. Mm, which sounds is, sounds you know, about right. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it goes to a lot of different places. As much as many Hollywood films. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it does. Uh, now the 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 line that um, Joe Devola uh, yells, and I'm correcting myself from before. Six Emperor Tyrannus. Uh, apparently, well, most people think it means death to tyrants. But uh, in Latin, it actually means thus always to tyrants. Yes, and it's actually the state motto of Virginia in the United States. Yeah, and the the line itself was made famous because apparently that's what John Wilkes Booth said just before he assassinated Lincoln. That's right. And some witnesses claim that he added the South is avenged. Yeah, Hmm. because that's the main... um, I don't think there's any, like, agreed upon, like, solidly agreed upon theory. There's a lot of conspiracy theories around about uh, mm. Lincoln. Yeah. Um, but I think the most agreed upon idea is that he was avenging the South because <laughs> Lincoln abolished slavery. And, yeah, that's yeah. right. And he did all these nice things. Yeah, he, he you know, <laughs> made made a whole bunch of people feel a bit better. Uh, just a little. <laughs> just yes. liberated. You yeah, know, liberated, just liberated yeah. a whole, you know, a few million people. Nothing, became free no folk. Yeah, yeah, no big deal at no all. No big deal. Um, and you mentioned this last week, Stephen, because you did hint that we were doing an episode where uh, it aired in the same night as the last episode of Cheers. Uh, this episode aired at an earlier time, 8 p.m., to make room for the two-hour finale of Cheers. Yep. Yep. And Seinfeld would claim that same time slot as Cheers at the start of the new fall season. Huh. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Any other trivia? Um, approximately 32 million people watched this episode uh, when it initially aired, and the show became a major ratings grab for its next five seasons. Yeah. Yep. This is the one. This is what took it to that. What took it to that level. Took it to that level. And the I think um, after yeah. Cheers as well, like, you know, a lot of Cheers probably moved on to this as well because they didn't have anything yeah. to watch. And they're like, oh, well, we'll watch this show. And it's interesting because the, the whole, I think season four had the largest story arc out of all of them, you know, with Joe Davola, with- the pilot, the pitch, you know, pitching the pilot, and it all culminated into that one episode. And the, the only I, thing that yeah. I can think 
uh, and it didn't really affect anyone but George is Susan's storyline in season seven. You yeah. know, that's kind of a whole season arc of them getting back together and yeah. getting engaged and George trying to get out of the wedding and then mm-hmm. her dying. That's right. I mean, but that's just one person and that really only affected George. But other than the Jerry plotline and Susan's plotline, there's not really many other season-long arcs. No, but the not pilot- that I can think of. No, but the pilot one was really, uh, really significant, yeah. wasn't it? Well, I mean, it shapes- a lot of the the future episodes as well. That's like, right. I mean, it you know it sort of comes full circle in the finale where mm-hmm. the new president of C- of uh, uh, NBC. I was about to say the new president yeah. of CEO, uh, CEO, <laughs> the new CEO of CEO, <laughs> uh, finds Jerry on the shelf and you know calls him up and it mm. sort of restarts um uh you know the show and then yeah you know, we all know what happens. But all, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's important for many reasons. Of course. Anyway, uh, secondary characters. We are doing what we do best. So Stephen, who are we talking about first? Well, let's start with Russell Dalrymple. Yeah. So. Russell, we find he's more prominent in this episode compared to others. Um, played in five season four episodes uh, by actor and director Bob Balaban. Uh, he's appeared as an actor in films such as Capote, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and Gosford Park. And did you know, Stephen, he actually co-wrote and was nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture in 2002 for Gosford Park. Oh, wow. Yeah, there you go. I don't think I've heard of that movie. No, I think it's like some thriller or drama of some sort. I read a bit about it. It had Ryan Felipe in it. Okay. You know, it's like early 2000s, you know, the height of his fame. Yep. So, yeah, there you go. Yes. So, uh, Bob Balaban is his name. Cool. Yes. So, Russell Dalrymple, obviously, at first, very hesitant. Like, I guess we can go back to the pitch episode, the season four opener. Uh, very hesitant about the whole concept of nothing, but I think it really grows on him by this episode. He's really into the nothing and he likes the concept. As I, th- I feel like it's kind of, they planted the seed in his head and then it kind of grew. So, yeah. what do you think of that? Yeah, no, I think that's a fair take. I think um, his willingness to let Jerry film, um, you know, and if he didn't disappear, he would have uh, greenlit it for uh, at least one season. Oh, absolutely. I think he was distracted so much by Elaine that he would have just said yes to anything. Yeah. I think yeah. maybe he would have been a bit more trepidatious if Elaine wasn't in the picture because mm-hmm. um, he's just so distracted. He, I mean, Jerry could have, you know, on the set of Jerry – the real Jerry could have come on and said, fuck you, Russell, I hate you, and I, I hate NBC, and Russell yeah. would have just been like, yeah, cool. Like, he was so obsessed with Elaine that nothing really fazed him. It just blinded him, yeah, his for whole sure. love for Elaine, but yeah, especially I with think her breasts and her ketchup secret. In that's the right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but saying that, I, I think your, um, you know, your, your idea that uh, the idea had to ruminate a bit in his head mm. after he thought about it is, is fair. Yeah. I just think he was less reluctant because of Elaine. Okay. You know, if he had yeah, any cool. reluctance at the end, mm-hmm. it was completely gone by Elaine because he was he wasn't even thinking about Jerry. No, of course. I mean, he was he wasn't focused on anything other than other Elaine's than Elaine. cleavage and yeah. Elaine, you know, every in other gen- part of it. In general, yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um and he he does basically he says or she says, I once I'd rather date someone who's from Greenpeace. And you mentioned before that it was just a throwaway line to try and get him away from her. Yeah. And then he literally goes and does it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. most people would interpret that as you're saying that you would rather date the complete opposite of me, which yeah. is a pretty stern rejection. Mm-hmm. But he he's so sort of unhinged in this episode and he's lost his mind, he interprets it literally. Yeah. I think he almost interprets it as a like an invitation or a challenge. Like Yeah, yeah. To try and impress Elaine. Yeah. Well yeah. rather than yeah, rather than interpret it as like she would rather date anyone but me, I think she yeah, I think he sees it as this is what I have to do to deep to prove myself worthy of Elaine, mm. and he does, and he pays the ultimate. And price. He pays the right? ultimate price. I'll remember her name, yeah. Elaine Burnus. I mean, you know, people do sort of stuff that is out of character, and they do pretty crazy stuff if their emotions are all over the shop. Do you think uh, he had a had a predisposition to acting this irrational and this 
unhinged. I mean, you know, I've, I've been crazily in love with a woman who didn't feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And you kind of think and do things that you wouldn't normally think. But I wouldn't, you know, go join Greenpeace if I was the CEO of a- You know, like, that's a com- that's just so out of character and so wild. Mm. Do you think- uh, I mean, do you think he would have had a past of sort of mental illness or irrational behavior? Maybe when mm. maybe when his emotions were heightened or something. Probably or do you think not. This was like, do you think he'd been a, like a pretty buttoned down, normal kind of guy his whole life, and this was just the first thing that, like, Elaine was so had such an impact on him that he just did something completely out of sorts? Well, I think we spoke about him in the shoes episode where we said that he was a divorcee. Yep, and you know he was living with his daughter. His daughter went to live with him and stuff. Um, I don't know. I feel like that maybe he was so crushed by his previous divorce that maybe he met Elaine, and Elaine is everything that he wanted and more. And I think this was probably, I don't think he had like an underlying mental illness, but I think this was just the moment where he was happy to just get rid of everything and then just have Elaine and try and impress Elaine and be with her or be with her as much as yeah. he can. Yeah. But when you put it like that, that sounds almost romantic. But mm, I mean, what almost. he does what he does is utterly insane. Mm. I mean, he just abandons everything and everyone and yeah. disappears without any real communication yeah. and dies out at sea. Like that's not, that's not, I'm going to give up what's meaningful to me for something more important. Well, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, well, I I don't know. It's hard to tell. I mean, his divorce. Yeah, I, I do remember in, uh, is it the pitch? No, the shoes. The shoes, We yes. haven't done the pitch yet. No. <laughs> uh, him, you know, us theorizing that he was a divorcee and, yeah. and, you know, he had sort of joint custody with his daughter and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. And that would have had an effect on his life and probably the fact that he worked even though he says in this episode i could have every any woman i want and elaine says you know you're you're the president of nbc you, you can, can have, have any, any woman, woman you want. want so he's just copying what she said yeah yeah um but i don't think he met a lot of women probably because he worked such long hours mm-hmm. and you know maybe a lot of people felt intimidated by him mm-hmm, um, maybe. he seems like a bit of a not a loner but he doesn't seem like a very friendly sort of extroverted guy he no like he's a bit very a, introverted man yeah he seem, i think mm-hmm. he likes solitude more than more than um you know a social circle he likes to reflect yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not a very, he doesn't show a lot of humor or sort of personality. He's quite sort of monotone and, you know, pretty serious sort of guy. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think to act this unhinged, even though he was obsessed with Elaine, there had to be something in his past beyond his divorce. Maybe it wasn't, maybe it never manifested and this, mm. this was just, you know, something that was there awakening. I don't know, but mm. it just seems so out of sorts and so out of character that for there to not have been something, for me, seems almost implausible. Well, maybe he was too needy for in his first marriage. Yeah. Maybe the, his over-attachment probably cost him the marriage. Yeah. Maybe that was it. Yeah. No, he wanted tr- to be around his wife all the time. Yeah, be maybe. with her. And then the wife's like, look, I want a break. I want to go away for a couple of hours and I'll be back. And he's like, no, I have to be with you. Yeah. Maybe it's just too clingy. Yeah. No, that's that's always a, a, a possibility as well. I mean, he had mummy issues or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it seems to... It, it seems to sort of, um, you know, there seems to be a whiff of like abandonment issues. Abandonment or, issues, yeah. You know, or definitely. just, just yep. an inability yep. to regulate your emotions mm. and irrash- irra- uh, rationality just goes out the window. Yeah. And you just make purely emotional, wild decisions that <laughs> lead to the end of your life. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Dying for a good cause. That's right. Um, you know, and I mean, he's obviously really well liked at NBC. So, you know, people respect him, not only at the sort of corporate level, but on the, you know, more worker level. Mm, yeah. um, you know, I'm sure he's pretty interactive with the sort of like the the crew and like, you know, the more sort of worker level um, of the company. Yeah. But the fact that he yells at that that guy and fires him just for accidentally bumping into him, I think that's another sign that he wasn't just obsessed with Elaine. He'd utterly lost his mind. Yeah. He was deranged. Yeah, he was deranged. Yeah. 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 He just snapped. 
Yeah, that's all it was. Because I think I think the evidence shows that he's normally really kind and well liked by his workers. And you see that worker who's just shocked. Mm. I mean, he's embarrassed and shocked, but he he also realizes that something is wrong with you. Yeah, like this is not who you are. Even if even if you're angry, you're having yeah. a bad day. You're not so mean and cruel to fire someone over an accident. Of you know? course, and he already knew who Russell Dalrymple was. Yeah. He goes, oh hi, Mister Dalrymple. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And he thinks that's weird. So yeah, definitely, he's a an unhinged man in this episode. And unfortunately, he pays with his life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, unfortunately, like it was it a bit of a dark turn in the end, wasn't oh, it? Oh, it's pretty grim. It's, it's pretty grim. The, yeah, it's, it's one of the more grim sort of outcomes in a you know a show that can be pre- pretty dark and sort mm. of macabre at yeah. points. <laughs> yes, um, I really like when George and Jerry. Um, uh, a mad at Elaine for not sort of, you know, accommodating his obsession and reject, which he was perfectly in her rights to do. Of course. Um, and even if she was attracted to him uh, or entertained the idea of seeing him more than once, I think she would have been completely turned off by his fucking weird obsession. <laughs> yeah, of course. But I like how George just goes, you're very charming, like using that against her. It's <laughs> like, a- what am I meant to do, be an asshole? Yeah, like- <laughs> exactly. You should have been clingy like him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but I, I, I really like Russell. I like um, him too. I yeah. feel really sorry for him. I do too. You know, I mean, even though he was a bit of a creep in the episode and he was very inappropriate when Elaine made her... Uh, which is very clear that she did not wish to be contacted with by him and, like, he still... St- you know, stood over that line and, and yeah, it was a total creep. But, yeah, I, just the way he's portrayed in this episode, I just feel real sorry for him. Yeah, I know. He's you know? a very tragic character. Yeah, it is. It is it, it is kind of a tragedy. Yeah, it is. You know, that he goes from the heights all the way to the, to the you know, lowest of lows mm-hmm. and uh, throws away his life. There you go. Not intentionally, but... No, no, yeah. he does. He yeah. does it for the whales. That's it. Anyway, Rita Curson. Sure. Uh, played by Anne Toomey. Uh, she's appeared in the films Picture Perfect, Deadly Friend, and the 1998 adaption of Rear Window. Mm, nice. There you go. Yeah, so Rita Curson obviously doesn't see eye to eye with Russell. Um, never came around. Obviously, she was the replacement for Susan because Susan got fired uh, in the previous episode in season four. So yeah. she's kind of her replacement. She ends up being uh, president. Yeah, I. it, it feels like... Um because she never really displays any uh, any sort of outward um, – what's the word? Um, like, she never really counters what Russell has to say. She seems to be like a, you know, a team player sort of thing. She's she like never- a yes woman. Yeah. But, yeah. Then, but then as soon as she's installed as CEO, as president, um, you know, she just completely undoes uh, Russell's, um, <laughs> you know, choice of, of Jerry. So, yeah, yeah. I think, I think she was maybe a bit – you know, if 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 Russell hadn't of uh, disappeared and joined Greenpeace, I think she seems like maybe the sort of person who would be a bit of a plotter. Mm, maybe right, you know, right. like you know, her eyes on the prize, which is being a president, and to get there, you know, it's sort of like keep your enemies, uh, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. She'd be perfect in Game of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> she'd yeah. be the perfect Game of Thrones character. Yeah, and that's not to sort of yeah. that's not to say that she's some like evil maniacal person, mm. but I just think she's very focused on her goals. Yeah, because as soon as she's there, she's just cutthroat. She's like, no, nah, see you later. <laughs> see you later. But, she's done. But, yeah. but all through the rehearsals and you know in the previous episode and stuff, she she seems to be on board. She mm. doesn't seem to be against any of the stuff she's like yeah cool like let's let's do this but like, again she's only trying to just say yes to russell yeah and everyone. she's yeah. just trying to you know get to where she needs to be and as yep. soon as russell loses his mind <laughs> um yeah she was gunning for it and she got it and she got it yeah excellent yeah imagine how many shows she's cancelled oh she would have that, that i reckon she was pretty ruthless she was on the phone all night that night just cutting all the shit pilots i reckon she did yeah i reckon she was like i'm in the mood let's start with jerry and then we'll start with this and this and this yep yep for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Yep. That's all I really have on her. She's not in 
really a lot of scenes. No, not really. Why don't we talk about the crust? Uh, the, the crust. The crust. The crust. The crust. The crust. The cast that play uh, Kramer, Elaine, and George. Sure. Let's start with uh, the actor Tom Pepper, who plays Kramer. Uh, he's played by real-life actor and writer Larry Hankin. So, Larry Hankin plays Tom Pepper, who plays... Uh, sorry. Yeah, Larry Hankin plays Tom Pepper, who plays Kramer. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, Larry's known for the TV shows Barry and Breaking Bad. I've seen him. I remember him in Breaking Bad, actually. Yeah, he's the he's uh, the owner of the um of the it's like a used car lot or yeah. like a wreckers or something. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and he's the one who has the big magnet. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really smart. Yeah, he is. He hooks up all the batteries. He was. Uh, he's also an Oscar nominee. Um, he was nominated for best short film in 1980 for Solly's Dinner for uh, writing that film. Okay, there you go. Cool, cool. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Tom Pepper, perfect. Uh, I mean, for Tom, just like an everyday actor. Doing his thing, trying to get by, trying to find those roles. I think uh, I think he's a psycho, to be honest. I think he's a bit crazy too. I think he has. I think he's one of those starving actors, you know, the stereotypical ones, because mm. he steals the raisins, but he kind of does it subtly as well. But I think he's struggling to find food or yeah, he's struggling okay. with money. You know, he gets like a box of raisins and he just takes them. But then, like a couple of days later, he's sitting there eating them, eating them again. Well, unless, maybe it's another it's box. Just, unless it's another box he stole. Unless maybe yeah. he came back for like you know uh, more rehearsals or something. Yeah, or maybe when they he were recording, uh, you know, doing a couple of shoots or you know rehearsals or something. Yeah, they came back and got That's some. A possibility. Yeah, yeah. It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's just a nutcase. Isn't he's he is a nutter. Yeah, definitely. He's like Joe Devola light. Yeah, light. Yeah. <laughs> he's uh. I think he has the same feelings as Joe Devola, but Joe Devola is just a bit more unhinged that he acts on them. And Tom can kind of hold them in. Yeah, he's got a bit more restraint, but mm-hmm. I think he's got the same sort of rage inside of him. Yeah, so he's not a psychopath, but... Uh, no, he's, he's, he's borderline. He's borderline. <laughs> I think okay. so, yeah. He's a yeah. psychopath with restraint. He should go see Dana Foley. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably not enough to see the shrink, uh, you know, the shrink that uh, Joe sees. But yeah. Uh, definitely, I think he needs some help from Dana Foley. Yeah, I think the shrink that Joe sees would actually work against him because he's quite an intense manipulative controlling personality as definitely, well definitely. yeah that, that that would be oil and water i believe as well that he has trouble finding roles i think because of his height and his demeanor i think he's been trying to look for roles he's been acting for a number of years and he barely gets anything he might get like one a year or something one a year you know and he might play frankenstein in like a theater yeah you know, or something like he'll play some like oddball characters and he's like i want to play someone who's significant or really good do you, you know think, and i get all these shitty bloody typecast roles do you think maybe that's, that's prob- why he was i mean you know george is a punisher towards him in this episode of like course. telling him how to act and mm. you know he's probably frustrated with kramer do you feel like maybe he's more aggressive than normal towards george not just for being confronted about the raisins but because he sees george as a potential roadblock to finally having some success like he you know yeah. he gets he gets a leadish role in yeah. a in a potentially yep. uh you know a new sitcom that might take off mm-hmm. finally he's got his break and then you know george is throwing up challenges and annoying the shit out of him and he seems to be more aggressive towards him than you normally would exactly because obviously if the pilot ever took off they'd yeah. be doing several seasons and he's got to deal with him yeah you know so obviously that would just manifest and yeah. become worse yeah for sure so yeah, yeah yeah definitely uh yeah i really liked him though i love <laughs> i love the fact that he is sort of the opposite of kramer in terms of demeanor and you That's know right. kramer you know they're both weird but kramer is sort of happy-go-lucky i can play kramer yeah you can he's act. really positive and he's got a lot of confidence and he believes in his own wackiness yes say whereas- a line my grandma's in the hospital. Ah, yeah. Ah, 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 grandma's in the hospital. <laughs> Whereas Tom is intense and very quiet. And Definitely. He's a real actor's yeah. actor. Yeah. He's yeah. not yeah. He's not like the real Kramer at all. And he's just like, I don't care. I'm going to play Kramer. You know, I'm Kramer. And he's like, oh, 
I'm Kramer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Kramer. I love that exchange. I love it too. Yeah, that's uh, all I really have on him. Yeah, me too. Um, Sandy Robbins, who yep. plays Elaine. Um, so Sandy Robbins is the character. Um, she's played by actress Elena Wall. Uh, she's known for the films Spotlight, The Invention of Lying, and she's appeared in the TV show Quantum Leap. Nice. Yes, there you go. Yeah, a real method actress, isn't she? Totally. Goodness gracious. She really likes getting into the crux of the characters and l- basically living vicariously through them. She reminds me a lot of like Daniel Day-Lewis. Like Daniel Day-Lewis, yeah. Yeah, that's what Or Marlon Brando back in the day. Yep. Like that as well. Yeah. Method actor. The fact that she maintains the character off off screen, mm. um, you know, and offset as well. Daniel Day-Lewis. Have you heard the stories about- Oh, I've heard you. I think you told me probably in the, one of the first episodes of Bidba Basque. Yeah. You told me about Daniel Day-Lewis, yeah. Yeah, in Gangs of New York, because it was set in the 1850s or whatever in America, mm. yeah. he got a really bad infection and he wouldn't take antibiotics because he believed that- it was going against the character because they didn't have that in the 1850s. And he was literally on his deathbed. He was in hospital for weeks. And it was only when the director was like, you have to take antibiotics. Did he give up the, 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 you know, the, the, um, the role yeah. and take antibiotics. Like, that's how committed he is. Death by method acting. Basically, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Do you I'd, think Sandy's at that point? No. No. No, no. Probably no, not. No. Um, yeah, and I I think maybe she's new to the acting world. She seems pretty young. Maybe she just takes it a bit too seriously. Maybe. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, she's she's a novice actress. Yeah. I mean, she, she seems very dedicated. Yeah. I just don't think she's very well experienced. I mean, oh, okay. I respect people who really, really are dedicated to their art, mm. but she's playing a you know, a, a woman on a sitcom. She's not playing some, you know, deep philosophical theatrical role or something yeah, like yeah. that. I would have thought the opposite. I would have thought that she's actually like a theatre actress and she's been in all serious roles on screen and stuff as well. And then maybe she goes, oh, maybe her agent said, maybe try a sitcom, you know, to try and stop you from being typecast and try oh. and diversify your acting range. And maybe she's like, all right. And then she went into the whole comedy situation as she as if she's a dramatic actress. She approached it the same way. Yeah, that's the way I saw it. Yeah, I no, felt no, like she was already an established No, look, actress. that makes more yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, I... <laughs> Do you think she... I mean, she's obviously just playing a role with, uh, with pretending to be Elaine. Do you think she actually found Jerry attractive anyway? Or do you think it was all just part of the role? I think it was all part of the role. Yeah. I think, you know, especially saying, is this how Elaine kisses? Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Like I, th- I just I think, think you got it. I think you got it. You know, the, she does the this thing with the tongue like this. <laughs> yeah, that's I right. I think you got it. I think you got it. Yes. How does Elaine perform fellatio? Oh, Jesus. What? <laughs> I bet you she was asking those questions after. Yeah. Off screen. Yeah. Like, how does Elaine like having sex? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I'm surprised. No, I just think she did it not because of Jerry's attraction, but I think she was just so engrossed in trying to get into the role mm. that she would do anything. I think um, it. I think she was uh, a bit of a diva as well. She's pretty rough to that makeup artist. She yeah. yells at her. Um, I can't remember what so she says. Square in the front. Square. Yeah. Square. You know, at yeah. first I thought, well, maybe that's just her being Elaine or maybe that's just her being who she thinks Elaine is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't think that's the case because she spends enough time with Jerry to get a good idea of how Elaine mm-hmm. would act in those situations. I think that's just her being just an asshole, and just, just a an diva, entitled asshole. diva actress. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I really liked her. I thought she was awesome. Yeah, she was good too. Um, what do you think happened with her do you, after the pilot? Do you reckon she got more things? She maybe went back to dr- dramatic acting? Yeah, I reckon yeah. she went back to, to theatre or something because yeah, okay. you know that's where she can be that intense character actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, uh, method actor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, cool. it's that's probably a bit more normal 
in the theatre world <laughs> as opposed to the sitcom world. Yeah, she'll probably stop diversifying her roles now. Yeah, I think she dipped her toes in the water and she got dumped. <laughs> she did, yes. <laughs> By Jerry. By Jerry. Are we seeing each other? <laughs> Are we seeing each other? Do, do you want to break up with me? Are we seeing each other? <laughs> That's the easiest breakup I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, I, love, I just love how nonchalant Jerry yeah, is. He's like, like, yeah, he's like, whatever. She's really upset. She's almost crying and he's just sitting there like, what? Yeah. And he just goes back to reading the script and he's like, okay, okay whatever. Cool. Easiest one I've ever had. Yeah, that's it. Excellent. I reckon we'll take a little uh, one more break and uh, we'll talk about uh, Michael Barth, who played George, as well as a few other secondaries. And uh, we'll find out where the pilot sits in our top episodes of all time and if any of the secondary characters have made our list. We'll be back. What's the matter? <laughs> Nothing. You're acting weird. Is anything wrong? No. Are you breaking up with me? <laughs> Are we going out? <laughs> You're breaking up with me, aren't you? Do you want me to break up with you? That's what you want. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, fine, break up with me. All right, we're broken up. <laughs> Can we still be friends? <laughs> Welcome back to this week's episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. We're talking about the pilot, the final two episodes of uh, season four. So far, we've talked about Russell Dalrymple. Uh, we've also talked about Tom Pepper and Sandy Robbins, who play Kramer and Elaine, respectively, in Jerry. And we've also talked about Rita Curson, the new NBC president. That's right. So we should finish off the uh, actors who play the core four in Jerry. Uh, we'll talk about Michael Barth, the yes. actor who plays George. That's right. He's played by Jeremy Piven. Uh, he's most famous for his Golden Globe winning portrayal of Ari Gold uh, from the 2000s TV show Entourage. I remember how big that show was. Yeah, it was huge. Crazy, yeah. It was, it was definitely a career-defining role for him. Definitely. Um, he's also appeared in films including Gross Point Blank, Serendipity, and Say Anything. And, and uh, with those three films, Stephen, can you find a common theme with those? They all... No. They're, they were all... Directed by a person. They're all starring John Cusack. Oh, okay. I haven't seen any of them. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) There you go. Wouldn't have known that. There you go. Maybe he's mates with him or Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, Yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of just like George. He's sort of like anxious. I went to the podiatrist and I had had a bit of gangrene and I might need to get my toe amputated. Yeah. And they'll start laughing at his misfortunes. Yeah. And then George is like, that's not me. (laughs) That's not what I'm like. (laughs) I think George knows very well that it's pretty much him. Absolutely. And he's just in denial. It's just like, no, no, that's not me. I'm not that bad. Absolutely. It was just like looking in the mirror. Yeah. You know, no one likes looking at their worst selves. Exactly. How do you think he got into acting? Because he's a very nervous guy. Usually actors are more confident and they may be introverted but they're pretty confident with their roles. Um, what do you think? Do you think it's something that he just got into or maybe? I could, you know what? I, and this just has occurred to me as you asked me how did he get into it. I think he fell into it kind of by accident via stand-up comedy. I could see him being like a nervous stand-up comedian. I, like I've seen stand-up comedians. There's one I saw maybe two years ago here in Melbourne and she was a Canadian woman. Yeah. And she couldn't even, she was so, I think she had maybe, she was on the spectrum or something. I don't, I don't really know. Uh, but she couldn't even make eye contact with the audience. Oh, wow. She was so nervous. Yeah. And I don't know how much of it was her and how much of it was sort of a, a gimmick. It, it, yeah, it might have been. It on. Yeah, Maybe she was putting it I, I don't, on. A bit. No, she wasn't. I don't think she was faking it. Okay. I just think she might have been turning it up a bit for the sake of the act. Yeah. Uh, and I remember her actually talking about um, dabbling in acting as well. So, uh, you know, not that Michael Barth is so nervous as to make me think that he's on the spectrum or anything or anything like that, but I could almost see him as just like a nervous, awkward stand up comedian <laughs> who's 
<laughs> whose material is just him talking about how awkward he is and how yeah. much misfortune he has. And that's where his comedy comes from. Yeah. Yeah, okay. You know, and maybe kind of like Jerry. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. you know, the NBC scouts um, are at the at the, the comedy club, you know, and they, they team up for the pilot and stuff like that. And like Kenny Banyer as well. So maybe he was a stand-up comedian and he kind of just was pitched and he's just like, yeah, I'll give it a go. Well, you know who, who uh, he would have been like? Larry mm. David. Yeah. Larry David has that kind of nervous persona. As yeah. Well, so. Yeah. Not um, as bad, but uh, yeah. No, I mean, Larry David is a bit more sort of like Woody Allen. Or, or, uh, well, George is a mixture of Woody Allen and Larry David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. So, um, yeah, so I think that's how he came to acting, okay, just sort of cool. via stand-up comedy by accident. I don't think it was by design. And I think when he went into the audition room, they saw, they knew it was he was the one when he said that gangrene podiatry line. Yep. They knew. They thought, he's it. Oh, straight that's away. It. Straight we away. just know. They just said, look, just for formalities, just say the lines, but they knew they were going to have him. Yeah, straight away. Yeah. Yeah, they were keen. As soon as they saw him and, and his mannerisms when he presented them, they are like, yep. Yeah, you cool. are George. You are George. Yeah. <laughs> Even though George didn't agree with it. No. <laughs> he wanted probably someone more dashing, like that other dude who comes in to try and audition for him, and he's like a dashing young man. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah. And George is like, this guy's great, and the other people are just like, nah. like nah. <laughs> no, not quite. Yeah, no, really. Trust me, NBC would know what they're doing Yeah, <laughs> with casting. <laughs> well, look at, look at how well they did with Seinfeld. Exactly. <laughs> they did very well. <laughs> very well. Very, very well. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about a few more secondaries. Well, what? I was going to ask you about Michael. Did he oh, end okay. up getting his uh, toe amputated? I don't do you think? know. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, probably not. I think it was supposed to be a bit of a mirror on George's catastrophizing on what was just a nothing. Okay, probably. Episode. Yeah. You know, like he, he might have had a mild infection in his toe, but <laughs> to him yeah, he thought he was yeah, going to yeah. get it amputated. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think it was supposed to mirror real George. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I just think he would have maybe gotten a shot of antibiotics and it would have been fine. Yeah, unlike Daniel Day Lewis, he would have just let the whole foot come off. <laughs> yeah. It's 1850. We don't have antibiotics here. Yeah. <laughs> if Sandy Robbins had a toe infection, she would have let it, you know, <laughs> develop into gangrene and fall off just, yeah. to, just to maintain. The role. Or she just cut it off. Yeah, she would <laughs> put it on a necklace or something and give it to Jerry and be like, I made this for you. I made this for you like Elaine does for you. Uh, she doesn't do that. <laughs> what the fuck? Anyway, uh, that's all my secondary characters. Who did you have again, Steve? You had Fred, yeah, from EOC? Uh, yes, that's right. Um, so I think he's a lifelong kind of public servant. Mm-hmm. He seems like the sort of person who maybe, you know, graduated college and I I listen to a lot of American political podcasts. Yeah, of course. And a lot of the common message is that public service is, you know, is an honor. It's something that you should do for a big chunk of your life. And, you know, there's the cliche of like, just like a lifelong public servant, just like a lifelong cog in a very big, complex, slow-moving machine. <laughs> he comes across as that. Okay. I yeah. mean, he doesn't come across as jaded or, or disinterested in Elaine's story. He sort of takes his job seriously. He does, yeah. yeah. But I think he's a bit over it because he, he kind of like betrays his duty by going to the going to the restaurant and even though there's no reason for them to investigate because it's just a, a misunderstanding he doesn't know that at the start but he realizes that uh you know tits are more important to him than <laughs> his job of course i think so um yeah i mean he's just being a guy as they say yeah i think yeah you know he's just giving into his more base uh i guess desires do you um, think he gets tip-offs like these all the time yeah do you think whenever he gets you know they might say oh this is happening here he just goes with his mate you know, yeah. it might be something good or, or whatever. And they might say, oh, they're serving f- uh, free booze or whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, sick. Let's go check it yeah, out. Yeah, I, I think you know? he I think he's, he doesn't come across as like a dodgy guy. No, Or no, someone no. who's disingenuous. Maybe just someone who takes his job seriously. But when a perk presents itself, he's happy to just take advantage of it. Nice. You know, even if it's just a free bit of food and some big tits at a cafe, you know, <laughs> yeah. which isn't huge. No. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so like, to speak. Well... <laughs> <laughs> what he's doing is the boobs are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. That's they're why my they're. daughters. 
Oh, I love Jerry's reaction yeah. when uh, when when he says that. Jerry's just like, uh, yeah, that's right, yeah. of course. Uh, but that's really all the secondary, uh, all the notes on the secondary characters I have. Cool, excellent. Well, uh, that was the pilot parts one and two. So, Stephen, out of our eighty-two episodes that we have reviewed so far, where does the pilot sit? Uh, it comes in around number twenty-five. Twenty-five. Okay, that's pretty pretty good. Yeah, yeah, okay, not bad. Uh, strong episode. Yep. I feel like uh, it's a bit different to the other two parters in that it just feels like a long episode, mm. even though even though the Cadillac and the trip are you know one continuous storyline, they're very distinct. Yeah, and um, mind you, besides the finale, um, the pilot's the only two parter finale episode. Yeah, so that's the season four finale, and obviously the finale, the series finale, is a two parter as well. Yeah, so that would make sense why it's a bit longer and yep. there's more going on there. Yeah, this this episode just felt like rather than two separate kind of episodes linked together through uh, an overarching storyline, it just felt like one long episode just chopped down the middle. Yeah. It didn't have a distinct conclusion and then a distinct beginning for part two. Yeah. Uh, And because of that, I don't think it's as strong as the trip or the Cadillac. Yeah. Um, But yeah, still a good episode. Love the, the meta reference. A lot of the time meta sort of, Falls flat a bit. Falls flat or it's, it's too Mm self-aware or it just doesn't work. It's just like, nah, but this was just the perfect balance. Yeah. It worked really well. They took the piss out of themselves. Uh, yeah, and they, uh, yeah, just really good episode. What about you? Yeah, well, it was very smart writing by Larry. Yep. Um, number 36, really good episode. Um, yeah, I think the writing was great. I love the fact that it was so self-aware in a sense where the Jerry pilot would have, ex- like, it was just formulaic, like typical 80s and 90s sitcoms. And I could imagine if Jerry and Larry didn't write Seinfeld or Jerry, that is how Seinfeld would have been. Yep. And then it probably would have been canned after two seasons. Yeah. It'd be one of those forgetful 90s sitcoms. Yep. It's like, no, oh, like, it'll be one of those sitcoms where people talk about it for, like, nostalgia more than anything, but they don't really appreciate it like It wouldn't have had a legacy. No, absolutely not. Yep. Yep, definitely. So, it worked really well. Um, Any secondary characters make your top 20 of all time? No, but uh, if I had a top 30, um, Tom Pepper would have been sort of in the the low 20s, maybe 22, 23. Nice. I really like him. Yeah. I mean, he's- He's not a curmudgeonly old man, but he's sort of curmudgeonly. <laughs> he's curmudgeonly. He's, 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 he's a bit psycho. More, yeah, he's more psycho <laughs> than curmudgeonly, but, you know, he's still an arsehole. Of course. And I have a soft spot for arseholes. Sure? <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, and people who are arseholes too. Indeed. Oh, thank you. You just glare at me as you say it. Thanks, no, 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 no. <laughs> you, you didn't get my joke. Oh, you were just looking at no, me. No, no. I said a soft spot for arseholes and people who, look, who are arseholes too. Okay. Nice. Like actual arseholes. Anyway, moving okay, on. Okay, moving on. Yeah. If I had a top 30, I don't have anyone in my 20, but uh, Russell would have just made my 30. Oh, yeah. Uh, if I had a 30. Uh, yeah, so props to him. Yeah, actually, I never thought about him in, in, in that in that way. He'd probably be in there too. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I really like him. Cool. I think, yeah, I just feel sorry for him. Now, Stephen, it's the first time in a very long time that we've done this segment. We don't get too many emails or, you know, stuff like that, but uh, here it is, fan mail. When you control the mail, you control... Information. So we have an email from Jackie. How you doing, Jackie? Um, he. I don't know if it's Jackie, male or female. I'm not too sure. Not too um, sure. But anyway, um, Jackie uh, sent us an email about our unseen characters episode that we did a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he mentioned about George's brother, a cracked article that came out a couple of years ago. It's a pretty wild theory. It is, yes, claiming that. Uh, George was the reason for his brother's suicide because we did mention George's brother as one of the uh, unseen characters, but we never spoke about him. But this uh, it's very interesting. 
it's very intense and um, yeah, kind of dark. Very dark as well. I mean, in the suicide, uh, Dana Foley asked George whether the name Pauline means anything. Oh no, the psychic. Sorry, um, asked George whether the name Pauline means anything to him. Then he recalls that his brother impregnated a woman named Pauline. Mm. So there you go. And they reckon that um, George's brother commits suicide in an episode or during mm. an episode, and that would explain why George is more. Uh, he looks more depressed after that event. Yeah. And his parents are so resentful to him. And uh, that's why uh, Estelle and Frank love Lloyd Braun, because I could imagine George's brother was probably like Lloyd Braun. Yep. He was smart. He was good. He went to college. Uh, you know, George went to college, but he's he actually went somewhere with his life, whereas mm. George was kind of like the loser. So I think they kind of resent it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that it was a very kinda, good it, theory. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, it all kind of fits. Yeah, so thank you so much, Jackie, for bringing that out. Yeah, and, thank uh, you for yeah. sending this email too. Yeah, that's really awesome. appreciate it. Awesome. And before we uh, sign off for the 101st episode, we put it out to you on Instagram, uh, what we should name our new studio. That's right, because we moved back into the old studios <laughs> from the newer ones. Um, and our original studio was named H.E. Pennypacker Studios. And we put it to you saying, which secondary character should we name our studio that's right. And uh, we got quite a few responses, which was awesome. A couple yeah. of people suggested that we should name them uh, Jackie Chan Studios. Oh, sorry, Jackie, Jackie Charles, Charles Studios. Studios. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, three people said Bob Sacramento. So if we're doing it by by numbers, that would be the winner. We also got a tweet saying that they should be called the Martin Van Nostren Studios to keep in line with the Kramer. Uh, I think uh, we should go somewhere a bit different. Somewhere, yeah, I think yep. we should too. Uh, someone said the Cra- Crazy Joe Devola Studios, mm, Putty okay. Productions, which is cool. Oh, Putty, that's cool. Yep. yep. Carl Vanson. Carl Vanson, yeah, Jerry's uh, alias, yeah. Vandalay Productions, LLC. I think that's my favourite. Yeah, okay, cool. Yep. Uh, Harry Fong and uh, Billy Mumfrey. Nice. So, I don't know. We haven't made a decision. No, we'll come up with one and we'll uh, put it on social media yeah, once we'll, we find out. Yeah, we'll confirm next week. <laughs> that's right. So, thanks so much for your entries. And uh, if you do want to send us your ideas of studio names, uh, Bidwabask, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, you can find us pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And uh, you can email us, Steve. That's right, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C at gmail.com. Uh, and if you want to rate us or review us or subscribe to us or spread the word, that'd be amazing. Yes, my name's Ivan. I'm Stephen. And next week, we are going to season eight to talk about fan favorite, The Susie. Can't wait. Yeah, good episode. We'll see you then. Take care. Take care.